The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of anyone at Innovative Sim Solutions or our sponsors. This podcast is being sponsored by SimGhosts, the gathering of healthcare simulation technology specialists. If you take your healthcare simulation technology seriously, join SimGhosts. A membership provides you access to premium resources such as guides, templates, and resources to save you time and effort while maintaining best practices. A membership includes a learning hub with online courses, including digital badges, and over 300 hours of video tutorials and presentations from our global events. Event and membership discounts for ASPE, Anaxel, and SSH. A member-only forum with special interest groups, a career center that provides resources to help prepare you for the next step in your career, and a personal professional development portfolio to take your career to the next level. Connect with the community and love the work even more. Learn more by visiting our website and connect with us via Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Details in the show notes. Welcome to The Sim Cafe, a podcast produced by the team at Innovative Sim Solutions, edited by Shelley Hauser. Join our host, Deb Tauber, as she sits down with subject matter experts from across the globe to reimagine clinical education and the use of simulation. So pour yourself a cup of relaxation, sit back, tune in, and learn something new from The Sim Cafe. Welcome to another episode of The Sim Cafe. Today, we're truly blessed to have Dr. Tiffany Chidame. Tiffany comes from Auburn University in Alabama, and she has 21 years of nursing experience, and nine of them have been dedicated to simulation. We're going to talk and really learn more about Dr. Chidame. Would you like me to call you Dr. Chidame or Tiffany? Tiffany is fine. Okay, thank you very much, and welcome to the Sim Cafe. Why don't you tell our guests a little bit more about yourself? Okay, well, first of all, Deb, I'd like to thank you for having me, and I've been listening to Sim Cafe, and I enjoy listening to all of the featured guests before myself. I know some of them personally, so it's good to see, you know, hear that side of them also. But I'm, like I said, I'm Tiffany Chidame, and I have worked in simulation for nine years at two different entities. I also work some with our local hospital and implementing SIMS at their facility or having their nurses to come here. I started out at the University of Alabama in Huntsville, and that's why I received my bachelor's in nursing. I worked at Huntsville Hospital for a couple of years before kind of moving around and finding out what I wanted to do um, before we ended up in Auburn for my husband to go to school. And I worked at our local hospital here in Auburn for about 14 years. And I was teaching as well as working in the ICU where I worked for 13 years. And that's where my love for teaching really grew. I was that nurse that I always loved having students. And I would have some of the clinical instructors or professors say, you really need to teach. You really need to teach. I'll get to my class and be ready to explain something. And that's like, 
Miss Tiffany already like told us this, so we feel good about it. And there's like, you really need to teach. So it got me a little while to kind of come to the terms of that. And then I ended up applying for a couple of teaching jobs and I received one full time. And then I went per diem in the unit and I also worked in application support for a while while teaching. So at one point, I, it seemed like I had like four jobs, but they were all like part time, equal and up to full time hours. So once I got into teaching, I really just loved it. And so here I am. I appreciate that. And I also appreciate the fact that someone recognized that you were good with students because we all know the nurse who stands in the corner with her hands behind her back and has that look on her face, like, I do not want a student to be with me. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and until we can break that culture and create a more embrace to these new nurses, we're going to be stuck with kind of some of the same old, same old. Yes. So thank you. Tiffany, why don't you share with our guests your journey into simulation specifically? Okay. <laughs> that is the funny story. Um, I did not want to do film. I was enjoying teaching. It was very soon after I had obtained the job as a professor or, you know, a faculty member. And the lady who was doing STEM at the facility I was working within decided to retire. Kind of like out of nowhere. I think she had been saying she was going to retire for years. And then she actually retired. And they're just like, hey, we need you to take this position. I was like, no, I don't want this position. And they're just like, we need you to take this position. And I was like, I really want to stick with teaching. I don't know anything about STEM. And I didn't have SIM when I went to school, so I didn't really understand everything about it, just, you know, what I participated in as a faculty member. And the chair at the time said, Tiffany, listen, if we PF for this job and we put it out with the clinical experience that we need, with somebody that's familiar with students, familiar with the hospital setting and various clinical settings, it's basically going to be missing everything but your picture right next to it. And so I was just like, okay, I'll think about it. And I had other faculty members kind of saying, oh, yeah, well, you have the informatics background. You'd be great in it. And I think my, my biggest motivator was my husband because I really loved the clinical setting. That was my favorite thing of clinical. I was just like, eh, lecture hall teaching is okay. But I really shine in the clinical setting. And my husband was just like, just do what you do, but do that all the time. Just turn your simulation into what you do in the clinical setting all the time. And he said, you have the ultimate autonomy. And he was just like, and it'll be you creating the experiences that you love for students to have. And that's what pushed me into saying yes to the job. So I started researching and learning about as much as I can. I didn't get any onboarding in SIM, so I was just kind of thrown with, oh, learn how to use the cameras, learn. So I was on the phone with reps from three different companies trying to say, hey, do you provide a refresher course or an initial course? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I basically know how to turn them on. And so everybody was very amenable. DAE, Lairdall, and Gamard, all their reps were willing and able to talk with me because that's who housed the simulators where I worked at before. How long have you been in simulation? Uh, nine years. Okay, excellent. You have your cheese, and we'll talk uh, more about accreditation and the journey through that, which you guys got in July. Yes. Uh, next, I want to ask, though, 
Why don't you share with our guests your favorite or most impactful simulation story? All right. So my most favorite, most impactful simulation is anything dealing with a CPR type of simulation. And everywhere I've worked, we've done this type of simulation. And where I worked previously, this was like a three to four hour simulation, having the students to make sure they knew the correct hand placement, the right rate, the right depth. And I would play on call me maybe to get them to the right rate. And so it, so they just thought, okay, I get it. And at one instance, we just had one of the students just couldn't get her hand placement right. And she was a second chance student. She had not been successful. So this was her second attempt at the class. And she just couldn't get her hand placement right. And she was, and I could see from behind the wall that she was getting very frustrated. And so I walked up from behind the wall and I picked her hands up and I put them in the right place. And I said, you have to feel here. I said, third, fourth or fifth intercostal space. I said, mid-sternal line. And so I said, you have to feel it. I said, I said, you won't have these kind of guidelines when you actually are doing CPR, but you have to know the area of where to go. And so once I let my hands up, she did perfect CPR. And a couple of weeks later, she came back to the sim lab and she said, Ms. Cheetah I just wanted to thank you. And I was just like, for what? And she's like, for all these sims that you take your time planning for us and doing for us. And she's like, what you don't know is the very next day after that sim, she got assigned to a patient that was coding before she even got reported from the nurse. The nurse was in the room performing CPR. And three nurses were in there along with the physician. And they all were trying to revive this patient. And they're just like, okay, yeah, you know, he's not going to come back. And so she volunteered. She's like, I, she said, she thought that I just did this in STEM lab yesterday. And she said, can I try? And so she tried and she revived the patient with her CPR and the doctor told her not to move. And she said that was the best feeling that she had ever had. And that rejuvenated the reasons as to why she wanted to become a nurse. And she wanted me to pin her. And that was actually the last student that I pinned before I came to Auburn. So that, that story sticks with me and it forever will. And I have on my wall, I have the, my whys of why I do what I do. And me pinning her is one of the pictures that's on my wall. I love that. I love that story. I know it's just such an honor mm-hmm. to have the opportunity to pin a nursing student. Yes. Yeah, I pinned my daughter and several others and it was yeah. an and, honor. Yeah, even at Auburn, it's a very impactful simulation. We have the students coming back almost every semester or emailing. I was so prepared because I say, don't, I say, you know how to do this. Don't be a wallflower because you'll get kicked out of the room. Get in there and tell them that you know what you're doing. I said, you're going to stand out and people are going to be requesting your name and you're going to have a job before you leave there, before you graduate. And a lot of them just like, I did it. I felt good about it. I'm ready. And so that makes me know that this is what I'm supposed to do. I agree. Where do you see the future of simulation going, Tiffany? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, I think virtual reality, augmented reality, I think that's just going to continue to grow because while it can be expensive with the cost of simulators, I think it's, it's pretty comparable. 
but the immersive nature that virtual reality and augmented reality, XR, all that brings is insurmountable. I recently received a grant with two other my team members working in VR, and we just had a come and see just this past Friday. And our dean and our associate dean were so immersed, and they were just like, oh my goodness. This is unreal. I mean, they were checking blood sugars. They were hearing things, but and then taking off the headset and just like, I'm in the same place that I thought I was. But the, the environment is so immersive and you can move so freely and do so much more than you can. I think that that's going to continue to grow because you can replicate that same experience for students. And it's in a controlled environment like simulation, but with you know, when you have students with sim and a mannequin, you don't know how they're going to handle that. And they're still going to say, oh, well, it was a mannequin. It's not so real. If, if it were a real patient, you know, then we have standardized patients. They're just like, oh, the real person made me nervous. They're just like, okay. But with the VR, the patient is talking to them. They're really there. They can really feel them through the handset that they want. So it knocks out a lot of the possible excuses that can come about. But I think that's going to just continue to grow. That's a really good point. I know I went to Dave and Buster's on Monday night and I brought two, my daughter and I brought two three-year-olds and they got on a, a, like a pretend motorcycle and there were virtual reality goggles on them. So, I mean, the future is, it's on us and the kids are, are going to just know this just like they knew the cell phones when exactly. they were emerging technologies and we need to be mindful of everyone's different levels of expertise. Yes. Thank you. Now, Tiffany, can you share some lessons on where you were and what you did during the COVID pandemic and some lessons that were learned in your center? Sure. So when COVID hit and started just going so rampantly throughout the country, the Auburn administration actually requested the different colleges, schools, departments to come up with contingency plans if we were to have to go virtual or shut down or anything. And so we were very forward thinking. Students were actually on spring break during this time. So our lab faculty and our lab staff, we got together for all the remaining SIMs that we had. We acted as the nurses and the students and the patients in scenarios and recorded everything. We have a SIM op specialist who we decided, you know, we had to go through what we wanted with the course leaders. So we snipped the videos, edited them, did closed captioning and everything in a very short period of time. So all the Sims that we had remaining, but we lost not one. So we continued on. I had to convert all of our templates to the virtual format. We already had implemented the set M for our evaluations. So I jumped on and converted that to Qualtrics with permission of Layton and companies, but I call Kim whenever they come up with all these awesome tools. And they then when I was emailing with Kim, she actually told me, hey, we've actually modified the set M to encompass the screen-based or virtual simulations. So it went from I actually did this first to I communicated. And so it worked great. So the way we did it, we had PowerPoints. We embedded the videos in PowerPoints and then had like a, after each clip, they did like a debrief. 
And then at the end, we made it a QR code, they scan it. And just like how we do here, they have to show the thank you for completing this evaluation to ensure that we're getting that data. They had to flip their phone around and show us and then they were excused from the SIM. So we didn't lose any SIMs. We didn't lose any data through the entire COVID process. Excellent. Excellent. I love, shout out to Kim Layton. Yeah, right? absolutely. absolutely. Kim and company. So you guys also achieved your accreditation during the pandemic. Why don't you share that with our listeners a little bit? It's such a, you know, as an accreditor, I'm just so humbled to have the opportunity to go into centers and, you know, it's almost like, go ahead and look in our closets. And, you know, you get the up front and close look at what they're doing. And there's so many centers that are doing such wonderful and amazing things. And within the society, we just love to learn about them so that we can advance our practice. So thank you for uh, going through the process. And why don't you share a little bit about it? Okay. It was very tedious. <laughs> In our STEM program, we are almost nonstop because we do all of BSN and some of our grad students, like the MPs also have some experiences here. So the director of simulation was actually released a lot from SIM to actually get the packets together. And she was communicating back and forth with the um, accreditors. But since with me being the coordinator of our Eagles or SIM Center, I had a lot of the communication because I go back and forth with the course leaders about the changes we're going to make because we also do evaluations for faculty after each SIM. Like, what do you want to improve? And so I take that and I improve the SIMs each semester. And through that, it was just a lot of communication. I had to pull all types of emails from the inception or the SIM request form, which faculty are required to submit about a semester before they want to implement it. So SIM request forms, communications, meetings, how we worked it out. And so we got everything ready. We also have some SIM champions within our faculty that were ready and able to be the voice for the faculty members with the accreditation. And we achieved full accreditation. And I think we are the first in Alabama to receive full and not provisional accreditation for core and for teaching. And we would love to get into research and all that stuff because we've been improving our research also. It was very tedious, but the creditors were so understanding. You knew everything that, that was required of you. We weren't asked anything that was awkward or anything. So the template that is set forth is what you need. They were very accommodating. And it really was just like this. It was like casual conversations. We didn't feel like we were put on the spot. And I think all, of, all that also went to our preparation as a team and us knowing our processes and feeling comfortable with our processes and just being able to tell them our processes and have the confidence in there. So it was not fun, I would not say, but, but the relief and the joy and pride of achieving it was great. Yeah, and the camaraderie between the yes. team, right? Like that day, you're like, yes, we yes. got it, we did it. Yes, yeah, yes. we're still celebrating, and it was, <laughs> it was at the end of July we found out. Great, great, and I know that you have your CS, CHSE, your cheese, and your CHSOS, right? Yes. 
<laughs> that might be a regional thing because we call it chessy here, <laughs> but I hear cheesy. So yes, I have my chessy and my chosas. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm dual certified in simulation, hopefully to get my chessy A soon. And I was the second in Alabama to be dual certified as a chessy and a chosas after my long-term mentor, Lori Lyosi, who all praises go to. And but she is just a great person inside and out and them aficionado. And one of my other mentors, uh, Teresa Gore is a great mentor. Penny Watts is a great mentor. And Desiree Diaz, Kelly Bryant is a friend and a mentor. And so at some point, you don't know if it's mentors or you just collaborate and just have a mutual respect for each other. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny because, like I said, I have a couple grandkids. And so they have imaginary friends. Petey and Joey, that's their imaginary friends. And I like to think that since I started doing these podcasts, I have virtual friends that are not just in my mind, but they're virtual colleagues and friends. So thank you for sharing that. And Yes, even Benjamin Small here, I think somewhere under there, we're like, we're best friends in another life (laughs) because we get along. We've worked on projects together. We're on a Naxal's Include Diversity Committee together, and we've done a scope and review on diversity and simulation together, being Emlyn, Sphinx, Emlyn, Maryland. So we had Denise, just great teamwork. And like I said, collaboration. I love collaborating and networking and not just being in one spot, but being able to reach and talk to others in the community that are just not near where you are because that's what sim needs to reach sim just doesn't need to reach you and what you're doing and where i am at auburn but what can i do to make an impact across the sim world thank you for for what you're doing thank you what's the biggest thing you'd like people to know something that you learned and it changed the way you practice so essentially like a personal aha moment Okay, I think that my biggest aha moment would be when I was kind of thrust into Sim and not really understanding what Sim was. And this is quote that always sticks with me that has for over a decade, and that is, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. So I did not want to be the type of person who would really accept a job and not know what's going on. So once I got the first simulation position, I was all in. I, mean, I was researching the Naxal, SSH, EMS. I was looking up, trying to find out everything I could about SIM and the standards of best practice. And that was a real leap because at the same time I'm trying to learning, I'm supposed to be facilitating this within a month or so. So it just took a lot of groundwork that I didn't want to feel like I ever had imposter syndrome. And so that's where that quote kind of comes in. It's just like, I wanted to understand what I was doing so that I came off authentic to my learners or my students. So where I worked before, it was a health science division. So not only was I doing nursing, I was also facilitating for paramedic students and tech students, radiology technology students. And so I had to talk to those faculty members and say, okay, what are you expecting from this? Let me know what do you usually do in this situation so that when I'm presenting the scenario for them, 
then I can communicate that and understand that their actions may not be that of a, as a nurse and why. So I think that's that was my biggest aha moment. And once you get into it, then yeah, I can't show you what I don't know and I can't teach you, but I want to know it so that I can. Thank you. Why don't you share that quote one more time? You can't teach what you don't know and you can't lead where you don't go. Excellent. Very I true. don't know who wrote it, but it's, it's been one of my favorite quotes for a long time. Thank you. Now, is there anything that you want to ask me? Sure. I would love to know about your partnership with SimGhost. And I, I know Innovation Sim Solutions, uh, you all have created that partnership. What are the benefits that you see coming out of that collaboration? Thank you for asking that. And it is such an honor to be partnered with the ghosts, (laughs) having the ghosts at your back. You know, they're not for profit. They are all volunteers. Everybody, Farouz is a volunteer. I think they have one person who's a paid person, but everybody else is just fueled with passion for wanting to do things to make simulation a better place. And, and, you know, I, I think about like, some of the people who are on those teams, you reach out to them and they're no airs about them, just, you know, willing to freely give you information. Matt Charteski, David Chablock, William Belk, Lance, uh, Bruce, all of them are just Billy Paschal. <laughs> they just want to give. And it's so, it's very enlightening to me and very, um, it warms my heart. Thank you for asking that. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with? I just like to leave everybody with don't be afraid of a challenge because you never know where it's going to take you. And as much as I loved where I worked previously before coming here, like understand sometimes, you know, you need to be up for the challenge and sometimes you just need to be repotted to grow. So don't be afraid to take those big steps into the unknown because it might be really good for you. Because I never knew I would have this affinity for simulation that that I do now. And now I can't see myself doing anything else. Thank you, Tiffany. Now, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, where's the best place to get a hold of you and how? um, Yeah, my email is everywhere. (laughs) I think my cell phone number probably is too. But my email is tlc0045 at auburn.edu. Thank you. And we will put that in the show notes. So happy simulating. Yes, happy simulating. SimGhost is the world's only organization dedicated solely to supporting those who operate healthcare simulation technology. If you want to be part of a healthcare culture where people are empowered to use simulation technology to improve learner and patient outcomes, join SimGhost today. Learn more by visiting our website and connect with us via Facebook. Twitter, and LinkedIn. Details in the show notes. Thanks for joining us here at the Sim Cafe. We hope you enjoyed. Connect with us at www.innovativesimsolutions.com. And be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so you never miss an episode of the Sim Cafe.